God is so wonderful. If you have your Bibles tonight, if you turn to John, the second chapter. lot of us are standing. If, if all of us would go ahead, we don't always do this, but if you would go ahead and stand tonight as we take a passage of scripture. If you're there, say amen. amen. It said that on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus says unto her, woman, woman, kids, follow after Jesus, but don't call your mother woman. is what separates Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Ramona, the mother of Jordan. If I would have said woman. Oh, man. In context, in culture, that's what they said. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firstkins apiece. And Jesus said, saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that had made, that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but that the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth the good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine unto now. It says this in verse 11, that this is the beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. And his disciples believed on him. Amen. Amen. Would you pray for me for this rest of this night? Jesus, we come to you believing, Lord, that you have a word for the church. God, believing that you have something for us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak and that we would hear, that the word would fall on the good ground of the heart. That this word would be stamped into our life. And then as we go into this next year, we believe and trust in you. May greater things are to come in Jesus' name. Someone say amen tonight. Amen. You may be seated. The wedding, the beginning of miracles, it says. The wedding of Cana of Galilee. It was that place, that place of the beginning of miracles where Jesus turned water into wine. Kind of a strange first miracle on the surface. In fact, without really having revelation and without digging into it, uh, you may just think it's kind of a 
look at it and say, why did you do that, God? Why is this your first miracle on this earth? But in this miracle, in this story, we see something spectacular. What we notice is a model that Jesus would repeat over and over through his life. In the Bible, there is a law which is called the law of, of uh, first mention, the law of first usage. It's a guideline which helps us study the word of God. It helps us study scripture and understand it better. What this law states is that to understand a particular word or subject or a concept, we must return to the first place it is mentioned in Scripture. It's that first place of mention that gives a complete and accurate uh, definition of that term, that subject that you're speaking of. It serves as a key in understanding the word, the biblical concept, but it also is there to provide a foundation which leads to further development later on in the Bible. Amen. And that's what's happening in this story. Another example of this is the term worship. We say that word worship, and worship takes on a lot of different meanings and context. It's a genre of music nowadays. It's, it's what we do in the middle of our service. It's all of these things. But when we look at the Bible and we use this law of first mention with that word worship, it leads us to Genesis 22. And it's when, I, when Abraham is bringing Isaac and presenting his son as a sacrifice on the altar. It says this, that Abraham said to the young men that were with him in Isaac, he said, I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship. It's telling us here that worship at its core, at its foundational level, at its first Mention worship, in fact, is sacrifice. For what was happening, they were, Abraham was taking his son up to that altar and laying him down. And if you know the story, God had told him to do so and to slay his son, his, first, his, his only son, Scripture says. And, and he takes, takes the knife, he brings it back, and at that moment, the Lord uh, stopped what was happening, provided a ram for the sacrifice. But in that moment, when we read these words of Abraham, he's saying, We're, I'm going to go and sacrifice my son. I am going to present my son as an offering. And so that's what worship really is about. It's, it's about providing an offering and valuing God above everything else. Amen. And that's what worship, that's an example of what I'm talking about. I'm not talking necessarily just about worship tonight, but, but it proves as an example of this law. And so when we go back to our context of the, the marriage at Cana of Galilee, what do we see there? The scripture says it is the first miracle of Jesus Christ. It is that first. And so if it is the first, we, as readers, as studiers of the word of God, what we must do is we've got to take note. We've got to look. We've got to maybe look back again. We've got to study it. We've got to see what the Lord is trying to speak to us in that passage. And there's something in this passage which is so powerful. He's going to do something miraculous, and it's indicative of all of his future works. It's a miracle, and it's a method that he uses over and over again. Matthew 
I don't know if he saw it. He didn't write about it. Luke, he didn't write it in his gospel. Uh, Mark, it wasn't in his gospel. But John saw something in this wedding that he thought worth mentioning. And this is what I think it is. It's how God does things. It's the way that he operates. It's his fingerprint. It's his modus operandi, or in other words, it's his method of working. And this is what it is. On this last Sunday of 2023, it said he saves the best for last. For it was that governor of the feast that said, most people, they put out the good first. But you have saved the best for last. And that's my subject tonight. And that's what I want to tell you on this last night of 2023. That there is a God who has you on his heart and on his mind. And everything you've experienced to this point is just, just the, the setting. It's just the beginning. Because God has something greater in store for you and in your life. God has something greater for your life and for your family and for your body. I believe this is a year of miracles. And he is going to heal. He is going to restore relationships. He is going to restore marriages. He is going to bring those who are lost back home. And this is why. Because he saves the best for last. It's the signature of God. It's his DNA. It's the DNA of his working. That anything he does, it gets better and better and better. For scripture says that the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. It also says that the latter house will be greater than the former house. And I want to add this, that the latter you is going to be greater than the former you. Does anyone believe that today? John 2 tells us that it was on that third day of the wedding feast, day three of seven in their culture. Scripture doesn't reveal whose wedding it was. All it tells us is that Jesus was there. His disciples, Mary, the mother of Jesus, they were all in attendance. Most likely it was someone that was very close to Jesus, maybe a relative, someone important. There was a governor. The governor of the feast was there at that wedding. They were having a wedding day three. Now, we're about to have a party next door, and it's going to last till midnight. And I know not all of you are going to stay until that time, but think of, we're, we're letting you off easy. Because in this time, now I know this isn't, they're not celebrating New Year's Eve here, but they're celebrating a wedding. And they're going on for seven days at a wedding. I remember my wedding. I loved my wedding. I'm thankful for my wedding. But I'm thankful it was just one day. I'm thankful that's all it was. Because I really enjoyed the honeymoon. And <laughs> that's not what I meant, but you got to laugh. You, a rule of preaching, you don't pause and let the laughter crescendo. Hey, let's get serious. Let's get serious in the house. Let's, let's get serious, folks. We're going to have a party next door. And it's only less than one night. But here it was day three of seven. And they were having a good time. They were really enjoying the party. They were partying hard and they were enjoying life. But all of a sudden they had a problem, didn't they? And it was a big problem in their culture. It was a problem for the groom and his family. It was their responsibility. And this is what it was. They ran out of wine. 
Wine in the Bible, it represents sustainable joy and blessing. And they ran out of wine. And I want to start by saying this, that the world, they offer their best at the beginning. Sin offers the best wine at the beginning. From then on, it never quite satisfies. The latter end is worse than the first. And without God, your life will be like that party. It was fun. It was exciting. It was intoxicating. It was amazing. It was a thrill. But they ran out of wine. And without God in your life, it's just a matter of time until you lose your joy. It's just a matter of time until the blessing runs out in your life. Without God, you will run out of wine. If your joy is derived from titles or from money or from power or prestige, from fame, fortune, you will eventually run out of wine. It's going to happen. It's what happens in this world. It's what sin does. With sin, you first go up and then you go down. It's like gravity. It's always going to pull you downhill. That's how sin works. That's how the world works. Works. So you start up with a thrill. You start out with the joy. You start out with the intoxicating aroma of the atmosphere, and it satisfies you for a moment. You enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, Hebrews 11 says. The first approach of sin, what it does is it always offers something good on the front end, but it stings you on the back end. That's what happens because sin hides the truth. Sin alerts people into chronic habits that it will eventually come around to, to, to steal and suck the life out of people. That's what sin does. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And while the world... While the world offers the best wine at the beginning, in contrast, we have a God who offers bad first, followed by the good, because he saves the best for last. Think of it like this, sacrifice. First, first there comes the pain, but on the other end of sacrifice, there is something great that comes. Think of laying down your will, total commitment. It's painful, isn't it? When we talk about sacrifice... When we talk about giving our all for God, it's not indicating a, a task that is easy or pleasurable to the flesh. It is painful. It's painful. That's why not everyone comes to the altar. That's why when we, we, we ask those to come and, and sacrifice it all and to give it all, that there's a lot that aren't willing to take that step because there's pain in sacrifice, because there is pain in laying down that which you value greatly, whether it be your time, whether it be something that you hold in your bank account, a possession. When God asks us to sacrifice and to give it all, to follow after him, to take the cross on our back and come to a place where we lay ourselves on that cross and sacrifice ourselves for God, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? But that's what God is calling us to do because God's way is, is you go down first. You experience the pain of surrender first. But on the other side of surrender, there is a blessing that it comes. You experience the hurt first, but on the other side of the hurt, 
there is healing. You experience, you experience trauma and tragedy. But on the other end of that, there is a peace that passeth all understanding. Because no matter what the world steals and takes away from you, there is a God that promises a greater future and promises hope, whether it's experienced in this world or experienced in another world. There is a God who offers something great, and that great thing is found at the end because he saves the best for last. Even in creation, think of it like this way. Day one, God said, let there be light, and it was good. Day two, the firmaments, he said, it was good. Day three, let the earth bring forth, and it was good. Sun, moon, stars, good. Fish, fowl, animals, good. But on day six, man, humanity, this is what scripture reads. This is what he says on that last day. It was very good because he saves the best for last. He saves the best for last. The story continues in John 2. In verse 3, it says that when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they had no wine. In verse 4, Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. In other words, when it's time, servants, you better be ready. Because whatever he says to do, you got to be listening because you better, and you better do it. You better follow after the word of my son, <laughs> who, is also the, who is also God Almighty. And for us today, we got to be ready when God speaks and when God gives us direction, we got to be ready. And whatever he says to do, we got to throw ourselves fully into the word of God. We got to be all about his business, our father's business, about his purpose and his will for our life. Because God uses people like you and I to accomplish his work. It's how he does things. Throughout Scripture, God uses humanity to accomplish his work on earth. In the New Testament church, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 that we are ambassadors for Christ, you and I. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 13 and 14, that you are the salt of the earth. And he said this in 15, that you are the light of the world. In other words, that you and I are the people that he has placed on this planet as was true in Esther of old, for such a time as this, that you are here not by accident, that you are intentionally created for this day and for this hour. You would say, well, you don't know my past. I, can I really be used by God? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. God is going to use you. I'm going to repeat that because I think we can do better than that. God is going to use you. Does anyone believe that this year? Is anybody okay with that this year? Because I believe it. I don't believe it just for those that hold this microphone Sunday after Sunday. We've got great teachers and preachers throughout this church. We have great uh, ministry workers throughout this building. And I believe it for them. But I don't believe that God's just going to use 
those that you see on the platform. I don't believe he's just going to use those that hold office in this church or those that have been here for year after year and, and who have, have decades invested into this thing. I believe God is going to use every single one of us to accomplish his will and purpose in these last days. Because he saves the best for last. And he has saved you for such a time as this to accomplish his purpose. Yes, the world is crazy. Yes, the world is nuts. Yes, there's wars and rumors of wars. And there's all kinds of division in this world. But God thought you were the perfect person to set in this planet for now. To save your world. To be the salt and light. To be the ambassador of his name in this world. He saves the best for last. He didn't call great-great-granddaddy for this age. He called you. He didn't call the, the, the pioneers of this church. Those that have sacrificed. We're not here without their sacrifice, folks. We're not here without those that have came before us and who have worked the works of the kingdom of God. People who didn't have cars that walked miles and miles to get here. People who sacrificed money and hours and time. Who made this place with the blessing of God what this place is. We wouldn't be here for them. But you know what? God did not call them for now. And God, and I don't know how everything works with him, but... He didn't necessarily believe in them for the now. He believed in you for the now. He called you for the now. And while there's been great people that have came before us, there are wonderful people in this place. And I'm here to declare for you, if you don't think that you are worthy to work the works of the kingdom, that the best is yet to come in your life, that the latter shall be greater than the former in your life, that the latter house in this place at West Monroe Apostolic Church shall be greater than the former house. That glory of the latter house, it's been great, but the glory of the latter house will be better. Because it's how he works, folks. It's the DNA of his hands. It's the DNA of his work. It's the method in which he uses that he saves the best for last. He said in verse 6, the scripture says that there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or, th two or three first skins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And it tells us that they filled them to the brim. These vessels, six vessels, water pots of stone, they were the ceremonial pots for washing and for purifying. This is what he was going to use to accomplish this great miracle, this first of miracles, these water pots. He looked at these vessels. He looked at these and said, that is the vessel that is going to store and is going to house the miraculous. That that is the vessel. These pots, you understand, they were those ceremonial pots, as I said, for washing and purifying, used to wash dirty hands. They were dirty, not what you would want to drink out of. They were nasty. Some 
theorized that they were not just for hands, but also for feet. And they were used. They were not the pots that most people would want to use to put the best wine into. But it's how he works. Jesus looked at those vessels and said, you're dirty. You're a pot of stone. You're not what everyone would select. But he looked right at him and said, you know what, though? You are the vessel that I'm going to use. And in his first miracle, he tells us his purpose, that I can take dirty, messed up things, and I can make them beautiful, that I can take, take the vessels that no one else wants, that I can take the vessels that are dirty, I can take the vessels that are unclean, and I can use them as the vessel to store the miraculous. And I'm here to speak to someone tonight who comes into this house dirty and unclean and messed up, and you don't feel like you're the best vessel that God can use. In 2024, get ready, because God is wanting to use you. He sees you. He knows all about your past. He knows where you come from, but God wants to use you, and out of your life is going to come the miraculous. Out of your vessel, water is going to be turned into wine. You better be ready, because God is up to something in your life. He said, fill the water pots in verse 7, and they filled them to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now. And bear unto the governor of the feast. And it tells us that they bear it. They were obedient to the word of God. What he said they did. They did it, I believe, with passion. With passion and obedience. Following after the word of God. And when you mix passion and obedience, you better get ready because the miraculous is about to be on the scene. Because God honors faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. He sent the servants to fill the pots with water. He said, fill them up to the brim with H2O, with water, water in dirty pots. Fill it up. Fill it up because I'm about to use it. Those six pots, each of them holding Potentially 20 to 30 gallons of water. Potentially 180 gallons of water he instructed them to fill up. That's a lot of water. That's a lot. It's heavy. It was cumbersome. They had to go back to the well or to the river over and over again. Carrying heavy pots. Drawing water. Handling water, moving water, pouring water, working with water, wishing for wine. They were acting in obedience to the word of God, staying faithful to the common while believing for the miraculous. They stayed faithful in the small thing, in the common thing, the H2O. And they handled water. And I'm speaking to people, I'm speaking to people, I'm very well aware that you've been wishing for wine, but all you've been involved with is water. You've been wishing for the miraculous, 
But you've just been working with the common. You've been wishing for wine, but trip after trip, you've went down to the well. And you've went down to the river. And you've taken your pot. You've taken your vessel. And you filled it with water because that's what the word says to do. That's what the word of God said to do. And so you've been working with water, wishing for the miraculous. You've prayed when others would have given up praying. You've spoken words of life even when you didn't feel like speaking words of life. You were a good friend to someone even when they really probably didn't deserve it. You've fasted for someone. You've believed for someone. You've been expectant, full of faith for someone. Maybe even in your own life, you've been expecting a miracle. But, and you've been praying and you've been believing and you've came, you've came to the front for prayer and you've, you've went into your prayer closet and you've told others to pray for you and you've been faithful. You've been faithful, but all it feels like you're doing is moving water. All it feels like you're doing is going back to the same well again and again, and it's, it's getting heavy, it's getting cumbersome, it's getting old, and you're tired, and you're weary, and you're wondering if it's still worthy of another prayer once again. God, do you still hear me? God, do you really care? God, I've heard the testimonies of others in this house even tonight, but you've not healed me. God, it's getting heavy. The pot's getting cumbersome. I don't know if I can go another day holding water, carrying water, carrying the weight of life itself. And we feel that weight, don't we? We feel the burden, don't we? We all have something in our life, whether it be a sickness or a disease or a family member or a sin, something in our hearts and our life that one over and over again, we've asked God to touch us. We've asked God to heal us. We've asked God to set us free. But all the while, we have been expecting wine and we still have water. We've been expecting the miraculous, but we're still working in the ordinary. But I'm here on this Last night of 2023, with the word from God to the church at West Monroe, that God is up to something. And just because you have been handling water, and you've been pailing water, and you've been carrying water, God is not finished yet. Because he saves the best for last. And you stay faithful in the small thing and watch as God does the miraculous in your life. His word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto he sent it. And I'm speaking to a church. Maybe you're here today and you've experienced the sweet taste of wine before. Maybe you've felt the blessing and the joy of God in your church, in your life, in your family. You've tasted the wine, but the wine ran out. You tasted the wonderful, intoxicating, sweet wine, maybe in this church, but you feel 
that the wine ran out a long time ago. But you've stayed faithful. And you've came. You've came uh, over and over again. And you think to yourself, I remember the wine I tasted in years gone by. God, I want to taste that wine again. And I, I, I say that because I know there's a lot of people here that while you've tasted wine in the past and you've felt like you're working with water today, you've been faithful. You've not stopped going back to the river. You've not stopped going back to the source. You've not stopped going back to that place. You're still drawing water. You're still working with water. You're still handling water. You're working with water. And I'm here to say a word of Zechariah 4 and 10 to not despise the day of small beginnings. To speak to a church that maybe has tasted blessing and tasted miraculous and tasted wonderful things. But for a few years now, you felt like you've not tasted it in a long time. I'm here to remind you that God is up to something in 2024. That he is not finished yet. That the glory of that latter house, the word said, shall be greater than that former house. Because God saves his best for last. And God is wanting you to use you to usher in the miraculous in 2024 you are the vessel you are the person that God has called for such a time as this don't be weary in your well doing don't be weary drawing water don't be weary collecting water filling pots of water because God is not yet finished yet you may just feel the water you may just maybe you get a drop of the water on your hand and you think that's all it is but God is setting up the miraculous. It's how he does things. What he starts, he finishes. He wouldn't have you drawing water if wine was not on the way. He wouldn't have you sacrificing and praying and believing if wine was not coming because he saves the best for last. And you may be in the beginning of your story, but there is greater things on the way. He is not finished yet in your life. He is not finished yet in this city. He's not finished yet in this church because he saves the best for last <laughs> but someone just praise the Lord tonight because he saves the best for last he saves the best for last you've experienced great things in your family get ready get ready because he saves the best for last you've experienced miraculous things this year people have given their lives back to God in this church been baptized received the gift of the Holy Ghost but church get ready because we've not seen anything yet we are in the beginning of what God is doing because he saves the best for last your greatest days are not behind you but your greatest days are ahead of you because he is saving the best for last. For your faithfulness is the open door for the miraculous. 
Your faithfulness is the beginning of what God is going to do in you and through you. And if you've done what you know to do, and if you do what you know to do, get ready. Because God is about to do only what he can do. But it takes you and I being faithful to what he's called us to do and called us to be. So we got to be who he's called us to be. And we got to do what he's called us to do. Because God is doing great things. And he saves the best. Oh, I'm thankful that he doesn't save his best at the beginning. I'm thankful that the best of life is not at the beginning. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I can have hope. And that as a church, we can have hope. Because no matter the way I've lived my life, no matter my, my, the, my, my sin and my wickedness of my past, the latter me is going to be greater than the former me. And if I do what I know to do and surrender to God like I should surrender to God, God promises to bless me. He blesses the mess. He blesses the water pots that are broken, that are dirty, that are messed up. He blesses them. And he says, you're the vessel that I'm going to use for the miraculous. He saves the best for last. It's the signature of God. It is the method that he works. It is the way he does things. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it's the way he worked in Genesis, if it's the way he worked on this world, on his life, and if it's the way that he did it then, I know he's going to do it for you. And he's going to do it tomorrow. Because... He always saves the best for last. The latter rain. It's going to be greater than the former church. The latter house. It's going to be greater than the former. The latter you. I believe it by faith. It's going to be greater than the former you.